<laughs> oh, turn it up. Here we go. Up here with your crew, winning all some view. Everything you love stacked right in front of you. Got your icon pass, powder slash it. 50 plus destinations. Speaking of, did you get your icon pass yet, Sean? I'm on iconpass.com dropping in right now. Wow. From just $2.59 adult, everyone knows you get the best price in the spring. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Okay, done. So pass the good stuff. Yeah, it's the good stuff. It was not until I became a father that I realized how poorly we listen to one another. A day does not go by in my home where someone doesn't say something like, listen to me, listen to her, listen to him, shut up, let them speak, don't interrupt me, him, her, them, whoever it is. Talking over people, teachers, classmates, their friends, their mother, me, is one of the many talents I have tried to avoid handing down to my children. So when a note came home from school a few weeks ago, outing one of my children with an, quote, unsatisfactory ability to listen and follow directions, close quote, I immediately blamed their mother. It couldn't be my fault, I blurted out over Allison as she read the note aloud. Oops. At first thought, this was a poor reflection on my parenting. Maybe, I said to myself, I need to do better. I need to give my children a better example. I'll try harder to let the kids talk more. I will talk less. I will not be so quick to offer advice or direction. I had the problem figured out. As a pastor, I'm in the business of listening. I listen to Brian rehearse on the organ every Wednesday afternoon. On Wednesday evenings, I sit in the lobby right out here in the gathering space and listen to the choir rehearse. I listen every Sunday morning as Pastor Jeff asks where he left his keys. I listen to all of you share your hopes, your dreams, and even your fears. A few days after the unsatisfactory listening letter, I remembered an observation that I had a few weeks earlier. I realized how often adults, most of us in this room, should receive an unsatisfactory check mark next to our own names for our own ability to listen. How many times do we talk over our, sp our spouse or partner, roommate at home? How often do we fail to listen to a friend or mentor when they are offering advice that we asked for? How often do I, how often do you walk past someone on Sunday morning after asking, how are you this morning, without stopping to give the person a chance to answer the question that you that I asked. So contrary to what my kids will tell you, my parenting is not the issue. We are all terrible listeners. And that makes me feel so much better. Today is a turning point in the church's year. The transfiguration of Jesus signals a transition away from the bright light of epiphany to the shadows of Lent. The bright epiphany light will soon give way to the shadow 
of the, as the shadow of the cross grows larger and larger as we journey through Lent toward Jerusalem, to the shouts of Hosanna on Palm Sunday, followed by the shouts of Crucify on Good Friday. According to Reverend Fleming Rutledge, only Palm Sunday can compete with the drama of the Transfiguration. On the mountaintop, alongside Jesus, Moses and Elisha appear. The presence of Elisha and Moses at the Transfiguration confirms Jesus as not only the Messiah, but also as the Son of God, the Chosen One of Israel, the Chosen One of all creation. In Jesus Christ, the hopes of all creation have been realized. Eight days before Jesus and his three trusted disciples trekked up the mountain, Jesus foretold of his own death and resurrection. He said that he must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and killed. And on the third day, he would be raised. What Jesus told his disciples before their climb is precisely what Jesus, Moses, and Elisha discussed as the disciples drifted off to sleep. The disciples were asleep on the job as they will be again when Jesus is praying in the garden on Good Friday hours before his arrest. What is to happen in Jerusalem will be the sacrifice to end all sacrifices required by the law. The law that Moses received from God on Mount Sinai and gave to Israel. And the turning point that the prophets, symbolized by Elijah, pointed toward. In the church, we believe that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection fulfill the ministries of Moses and Elisha. The disciples knew the law and the words of the prophets. The disciples would have known full well who Jesus was colluding with as the disciples rose from their slumber. Just as the disciples had been listening to Jesus' teachings, the disciples would have had listened to the words of Moses and the prophets in the synagogues and in the temple. After the cloud-filled mountaintop scene, Moses and Elisha depart, and Jesus is left alone with his disciples. Jesus alone is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, the fulfillment of the work Moses and Elisha had done during their lives. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him, instructed a voice as the clouds began to lift. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. I'm sorry to say that Christians are not usually lauded for our ability to listen. I have heard Christians described as grace-filled and hate-filled, loving and withholding, merciful and judgmental. But I have never once heard someone say, those Christians, you know, they're really good at listening. Church, if church meetings have taught me anything, it's that we love to hear ourselves talk about what is most important to us, but often 
we drift off to something more interesting as someone else begins to speak. Color me guilty. Listening is an essential function of living. Listening is necessary for our survival. We listen for danger. Citizens across Ukraine are listening right now for the sounds of sirens, tank tracks, and even the silence of momentary peace. Parents listen for cries of newborns in the middle of the night, or the footsteps of a teenager sneaking back in after curfew. We listen for the sounds of footsteps and doorknobs turning as we await the homecoming of a family member or a friend who's even closer than our family. In her book, Freeing Jesus, author Diana Butler Bass recalls a time when she was praying and listening. She was kneeling beside an altar in one of the chapels at the National Cathedral. And Diana lifted up a simple four-word prayer. Where are you, God? She asked. And there was silence. She raised the same prayer again. Where are you, God? Again. Silence. God? She asked, get me out of here, a voice replied. No one, Diana writes, not a single person was in the chapel with her. There was no docent, there was no good-doing hovering priest, there were no annoying tourists behind her snapping pictures. Get me out of here, she heard again. So in that moment, Diana did what any one of us would most likely do in that moment. She bolted out of the building, not saying a word to anyone on her way out. Listen to him. So much of what we do in the church is not listening. We, I, talk and talk and talk, but rarely listen. We talk and create theology to try to explain, and in creating, we often create more noise that we then must sift through to hear what God is calling out to us. And in our talking, we create more of that which Jesus has fulfilled. Law. Things that more, more often than not, other people must do to hear a word or experience the amazing grace of God. We create new ways other people must ascend up the mountain to obtain the grace of Jesus Christ, when the reality is that Jesus Christ has descended down to us in word, in sacrament, in real presence. Jesus has come to save us. And in the process of us trying to make sense of this on our own, talking and talking instead of listening, we lock him up or attempt to behind church doctrine, law, politics. Listen to him. After the transfiguration, Jesus comes down the mountain. And after coming down the mountain, Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy he predicts his own death for a second time. He visits a Samaritan village. That's the 
2022 equivalent of going to the wrong side of the tracks. He then details for his disciples the cost to them for following him. And none of these things were done on a mountain where anybody had to ascend up to Jesus. No one had to climb. In each of the scenes that follow the transfiguration, Jesus points to the fulfillment of what had been revealed while on the mountaintop. Listen to him. Though we are shaped by social, cultural, and economic pressures that tell us we must ascend up, if we listen, if we set aside our own noise, we will hear words of grace. A word that tells us God will not be confined to a mountaintop. God will not be confined to the law. And God will not be confined to our theology. A word that tells us that God is present with us right now in this sanctuary. In our homes this morning, in our homes this afternoon, and in the places where we feel most alone. God is present. God has come down dwelling among us in flesh and in blood, a holy and living tabernacle, a tent that is not set apart from us. God is seeking us, and, and in seeking us, God is giving us something different than what we call gospel. Gospel is a law-filled list of X, Y, and Z, things you have to do to receive the gospel good news that God loves you just as you are, just where you are. And Jesus is speaking to the church today. So church, we need to listen. Set aside the law and follow. For the law of Moses and the word, words of the prophets have been fulfilled. God has come to us. And God continues to come to us. Because God is continually seeking us out. The love of God, the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, is always yours. It never ends. Amen.